Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. This is the business of sports. Should Major League Baseball shorten up the season? How do we present football to the audience of the future? I don't think that most players understand the power that they have. Michael Barr. The future of IndyCar racing is looking bright. Scott Soshnank. Very basic math here. More bidders means more money. Evan Novi williams The team value has essentially quadrupled. And the leaders in the sports industry. Time to bring in our guest, Hal Steinbrenner. National Hockey League Commissioner Gary Bettman. Atlanta Braves President Derek Schiller. Patriots President. Jonathan Kraft, Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Michael Barr. I'm Eben Novi Williams. And I'm Scott Soshnick. Every week at this time, plus Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. On this week's show, we speak with Tom Dundon, the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes, about what he would change about the NHL. You know, my number one thing right now is I believe that we should expand the playoffs. I think it's the most exciting time for the league. It creates, I think, a more compelling regular season as more people are engaged and then the playoffs are seem to be the best time of year for our sport we bring you the full conversation with tom dundon shortly but first let's get to the big stories of the week let's start with they're swapping super bowls Flip-flop. yeah cbs and nbc they're swapping the soup why why because they each have big events and they don't want to compete against the other big events i mean if you're going to have the super bowl you might as well have it in the year where you have something like, the, oh, I don't know, the Olympics if oh, you're NBC, right? That thing. <laughs> CBS doesn't want to put the Super Bowl up against Olympic, Olympic coverage. And right. if NBC, it's one of your marquee properties, they say, hey, how about we make a little trade here and probably some cash going both ways uh, where we can align all of these major properties and get some good synergies. Yeah, it's the kind of thing that, you know, your, your average fan would never notice, uh, but uh, if you look at how the sausage is made, when 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 networks like NBC sell ads, they do so often in full year blocks or or big bundles, right? So if you're NBC, you can go to ad to to advertisers and say, "Listen, we've got this huge three week property, the Olympics. Right before it, we've got the most watched TV event of the year, the Super Bowl, um, and then there, you know, the other events they have, the Kentucky Derby, the the Stanley Cup Finals, whatever it is. Um, they often sell those things in a group." And yes, if you're NBC, there's no doubt that, that you're going to make more money if you are packaging the Olympics and, and the Super Bowl together than if NBC and CBS are reaching out to all these same companies 
Budweiser, AT&T, all your big advertisers are essentially jockeying back and forth trying to get them to commit their February dollars. Bar, you think this is going to kind of work like a player trade? Like NBC also gets a 4 p.m. NFC game to be named later? Yeah, it's a you know, little, <laughs> little something. Uh, and cash a, considerations. You know, the TV's version of and a draft pick and, to be named. And like. a left-handed executive. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's move on now. Uh, oh, MLB and the Players Union. They've kind of reached an agreement of sorts, well, at least about ma- the trade. Deadline. The news, I think, here, and Eben, you, you chime in as well. Yeah. I think it's that they're making nice before they really need to make nice. Yeah. You know, yeah. they've they've agreed to some things that are not, let's just say, of the more important on both sides of the ledger. Yeah, I think that's right. The uh, the the five year labor accord that they have right now doesn't expire until after the twenty twenty one season. Um, but there has been a lot of public and uh, at the table feuding between these two sides already. Um, it's shaping up to be a rough uh, labor negotiation, and part of the kind of the mini agreement that they're that they're rolling out this week uh, is that there the, the, there's a provision in there that says they'll both start discussing you know bigger labor issues earlier than they typically. I would love have. that they've agreed to begin discussing. <laughs> yeah, and that you know who knows how earnest that will be from from either side. Um, but that at least you know at least at least shows that there's going to be a dialogue happening about things like service time manipulation and slower free agency and and, and kind of the evaporation of these long term deals. All these things that you're seeing MLB players complaining about. Seemingly every offseason. Yeah, I, I want to chime in on that one. I know it's not a yeah. major thing, and maybe our listeners don't really know about it. But but sort of the service time, there's a rule where like if you there's a certain time when you can call a player up, and then it starts counting towards his service time, mm-hmm. which means another right. you know you get control of him for one last year. Right. right. So oftentimes you will see clearly a prospect who is ready for the bigs, but the team will keep him down in the minors because of this service time issue, and a lot of people complain about it. But come on, it's like a no-brainer from the team perspective. And if it's collectively bargained, there's so much. I mean, I see it every time there's complaints about it. It's collectively bargained. That's the rule. And if I'm a team, why would I give up a year? doesn't make sense. I'm with you. There's a lot in this collectively bargaining, collectively bargained agreement in which owners can do things that look to the untrained eye to be shady and bad business practice. But if you actually understand... What what they're allowed to do within within it, yeah, is is good business, right? And I think as we talk about you know how how nasty this next negotiation could be heading into 2021, this is one of the big things, right? I mean, the if players don't want this service time manipulation to happen, and Vlad Guerrero, the third junior, the third baseman for the Blue Jays, is going to be the poster boy for this. He's one of them in the next couple weeks. um, You have to take that away from the owners, right? You have to make sure that the, the option isn't sit a guy for 15 days and take him and, and, and have his rights for an entire another year of his career. Um, and the same thing with, with contract negotiations, right? The, the owners have the unique ability to just decide to not offer the, the seven year, $120 million deals anymore. Um, and if players you know are upset about that, they need to collectively bargain more money on the beginning of their careers, you know, and that's another thing that they're going to have to address. So yes, I agree with you. There's so much about these agreements that you know looks like it might be kind of shady or collusionary when when you think about it from the owner's side, but in truth, a lot of it is is savvy business. And then a lot of it's also internal. I've seen it time and again in all the labor negotiations I've covered. The interests of the vast number of players aren't always aligned. Like mm. the superstars' interest, like Bryce Harper's interest isn't the same as sort of the utility guy who's 32 and hanging on. Some, so you need a good representation on your board of superstar 
everyman, journeyman. That's a good way to sort of make sure everybody's looked after. And, and owners are aligned in a way that they were not, you know, maybe a decade ago. You know, there was a time in baseball negotiations where players wanted more money and the rich teams, you know, like your Yankees and your Dodgers and your Red Sox had a lot more money to give and also wanted to give them more money. You know, so you had this this weird kind of dynamic where you had players and wealthy teams essentially bargaining together against smaller market teams who didn't want to have, you know, all this money available. Now owners are, are a lot more aligned and the teams are, are together. Let's talk about Gonzaga. And all people on the team are saying, what in the winky-dink Sam Hill happened? <laughs> the, 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 in case you, you missed it, uh, the Zags, they got upset by St. Mary's. Remember, that was the same team they beat by, what, 48 points? points? Yeah, <laughs> something like that about a month ago. And they, so now they're playing in the Western uh, Coast Conference Tournament. And all of a sudden, all you know what breaks loose. This is a fun one from a business perspective because I can I can almost promise you that you know there are eight other or nine athletic directors in in the in that conference, the West Coast Conference, who were thrilled sure. thrilled happy. that this happened. Right, <laughs> another uh, team in the dance. exactly. Gonzaga had already clinched its role, its 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 spot in the NCAA tournament by beating Gonzaga in the finals of this tournament. St. Mary's, which wouldn't have had a, a spot otherwise, clinched their own. Um, and the way the NCAA divvies out its money, you know, conferences get paid out by games played in the NCAA tournament. Um, and, you know, two weeks ago or even a week ago, the West Coast Conference seemed like it was guaranteed one team, and now they have two teams. And if you were a bubble team somewhere else around the country, when you yeah. see one of those <laughs> upsets upset. in the conference tournament, you start crying. You yeah. go, yeah. you know, you just lost one spot on that bubble. And so those those units that you get, so even if St. Mary's just loses uh, loses once, it's it's a $1.7 million payment that gets sent out over six years to the conference. Might not seem like a lot, but a lot of these schools, you know, that, this that is a good amount of money. a lot of non-revenue sports budget right there. Pacific, for example, Pacific University in Oregon, which is in the WCC, you know, their annual athletic revenue and expenses are $5 million. It matters to these teams. Now let's get to this week's interview with Carolina Hurricanes owner Tom Dundon. We are happy to welcome to the pod this week, and we mean this as a big compliment, the biggest jerk we've had so far, Tom Dundon, the owner of the uh, Carolina Hurricanes. Tom, how are you? Great. Thanks for having me. And our listeners are, are very familiar with the way you guys have embraced a bunch of jerks, uh, a comment that was made uh, about you guys, about your, your post-game celebrations. We've actually talked a lot about the Hurricanes on the show recently because it feels like you guys are making hockey fun uh is that part of your your relatively new owner to the league is that part of what you tried to instill a culture change when you took over this team yeah there's a there's a couple things going on right obviously we're we're in the enter sports is entertainment if we're in the entertainment business we have to keep that in mind and then you know where the franchise was given um the performance on the ice and where the brand was relative you know, to the sports ecosystem, it was, it was fairly obvious that we had to, we had to change some things. And, you know, so far I think we're on an upward trajectory and, you know, the teams embraced understanding and the communities embraced understanding that, that we need to be more than what we were. So where did you see the Hurricanes, a, a relatively new franchise by NHL standards, hasn't had a ton of success historically? Kind of where did you evaluate the Hurricanes as a brand in the sports slash entertainment sphere when you took over? You know, the way I would describe it, so they had a, obviously had a lot of success. They won a Stanley Cup in 06, but, you know, unfortunately that's so long ago that it's maybe not relevant now in terms of how, how the brand's perceived. And so... You know, I looked at it for what it was, right? We were at the bottom of the league, and 
you know, the NHL doesn't garner the same attention as some of the other leagues. So if you're at the bottom of a league that's getting less attention, you know, it's clear that you need to do something. Are you satisfied with the media opportunities at the NHL? Went to NBCSN, left ESPN. Are you happy with the attention you get? You know, I don't look at it as, as whether I'm happy about it as much as it's our job to create compelling, you know, stories and content, um, you know, and games and personalities. And, you know, the, the world is rational. And if we're, if we're interesting, then people will notice. And, and I'm never happy with anything that is the way it is, right? I always want it to be better. So, you know, in that respect, if, if we can, if we can do better, if we can, present ourselves better, then that'll make me happier for sure. We are chatting with Tom Dundon, the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes, chairman of the AAF. So you said, if we can do better, if we can present better, I would think you have a great opportunity for hockey with technology, with migration to over-the-top OTT, direct-to-consumer, whatever you want to call it. There's a big opportunity here. What would you say to your fellow owners about having to step through and take advantage of it? So far, I've found, you know, the commissioner to the other owners they're they're really bright guys they don't you know they don't they don't need my advice I, you know i have my opinion and you know i think everyone's on board with the fact that you know you want to increase exposure and content and they've embraced the changes in the way the game's played and presented and you know my number one thing right now is i believe that we should expand the playoffs i think it's the most exciting time for the league it creates i think a more compelling regular season uh, as more people are engaged and then the playoffs are seem to be the best time of year for our sport so to me that's probably the thing that i'm most focused on um but i have a very small voice in that <laughs> so <laughs> it's just it's just my opinion and what's your what's your number if you've got 16 teams in now what, what's your number for playoffs moving forward you know my my instinct is you start with adding four more teams and you know, if it were me, if I were king of the world, I'd probably go further than that. But, you know, I look at the success of the NCAA tournament and the success of every time other leagues have added another spot to the playoffs, it's done incremental value. Um, I'm sorry, exponential value. So, but yeah, at very least, I'd like to see four more teams. I think that, you know, if you, if you think about it, you have a 50-50 chance of making the playoffs. And the difference between the NHL and say the NBA is it's much closer one to eight, much closer and one to 10. Um, where if you, if you acknowledge the fact that it's that close, then you really want to make it about the tournament because it already is. So that's how I look at it. May I play devil's advocate then if somebody said to you, but what about the possibility of devaluing the regular season where games not, it won't mean as much because you could cruise to the postseason. And like you just said, it doesn't really matter if I finish in eighth place because things are so close. Why should fans care about the regular season then? What I think is, you know, we know the Golden State Warriors are going to win in almost every game, make the playoffs, and yet they have great attendance, great exposure. You know, in our sport, Tampa Bay Lightning, great attendance, great exposure. Um, they're going to make the playoffs. They, I think they could have stopped winning games a month ago. And people are still showing up because people like winners. So you, you, the idea that winning – isn't the number one value that fans want. We want to enjoy it. We want to know if we go, we're going to see something exciting and we're going to feel good when we leave. So the winning teams don't have that problem. It's a made-up problem, to tell you the truth, because you can't show me the winning team that doesn't have 
viewership and attendance. Um, and I think if you increase the size of the playoffs, you'll get more teams competing longer. So for for every argument about the one or two teams that run away with it, which you know there's only a couple teams right now that are comfortably in the playoffs, so it's, it's not even probably statistically correct, but there's a number of teams that would still be fighting. Maybe they don't trade away players at the deadline, which changes the balance a little bit, which I think that's a bigger problem. So if you move the trade deadline back and you increased the um, number of teams that were competing to make the playoffs, I think you just have a more exciting process and a and better product. Adding four more teams, I imagine, would make you sweat a little bit less in the next uh, in the next four weeks as well. The Carolina Hurricanes sitting kind of right on the edge of a playoff spot right now. A very young roster. What is from a business standpoint? What is what is making the playoffs for you this early in your ownership? What does that mean for you guys and and, and what you're trying to do moving forward? Well, you know, unfortunately, it does. It probably has too much to do with renewals and season ticket base and sponsorships because, you know, you can make or miss the playoffs by one game and Mm -hmm. it changes the total perception of everything you've done. And that's very difficult for, you know, all the people that have worked so hard. Um, And so that's unfortunate part of this. We're talking with Tom Dundon. He's the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes. I've never understood why hockey is, number four in the four major food groups is something you mentioned earlier when it comes to sports because, and I'm wondering if it's about location. I mean, and I know I bring it up all the time. I'm a native Detroiter. So we had the Detroit Red Wings. We could turn on channel nine and see hockey night in Canada and see the Toronto Maple Leafs. So it's a huge hockey town. I'm wondering if location means something uh, and maybe in other areas around the nation, why hockey is number four. Yeah, it could be. I mean, obviously, it's definitely regional, right, relative to some of the other sports. And I don't spend a lot of time thinking about our place in the world as much as, you know, what are the things we can control, right? We just got to keep making it more compelling. One of the things that I think we're behind in that the league's doing a really good job is our stars aren't as well-known. You know, it's maybe it's the history of being such a team sport. Maybe it's because they wear these helmets. But the world seems to like celebrities and stars, and I'm not sure outside of the area where hockey is core that the fans really know our players. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time.
You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Tom, investors these days in sports... I always say they're they're into it with ten poles. It's a media play, it's a real estate play. What play is it for you when you decided to go after this club? Honestly, it's just because they keep score. Like I like the process of who's going to win and who's going to lose. So, you know, this wasn't something I did for financial gain. I did it because I really enjoy it, and you know, everybody has whatever things in life that bring them joy. And for me, it's going through this process and you know, trying to do everything we can to make it better. And um, so that's why I did it. Sports is something I'm interested in, and you could turn sports into a business. And, uh, you know, I've really enjoyed it. Would you consider it a successful season if you win the Stanley Cup but lose money? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, so we're going to lose money. Yeah, our team's going to lose money no matter what happens. So, yeah, it's 100%. How I much, if you can year. say? Yeah, how, how much do you project to lose? A lot, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm not sure I'm supposed to say, so I don't want to get in trouble. But yeah, it's 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 a lot. We've got to do better if we're if we're gonna make this thing what it can be, and replicate some of the success other franchises have had in uh, a non-traditional market. The brand and the product works. You just you've got to run your team properly, and you got to win. I always so say, we, yeah, I always say the one thing you can't guarantee as a sports team owner is winning. What you can guarantee is you'll try to win, and you can guarantee the environment and that folks could have a good time. So are you telling me that where you are in your market, do you need to be a winning club to be sustainable? Yes. Okay. I don't think there's any doubt. I don't think that's even debatable. If we don't win, we're, it's not the same as in other markets. We're not top of mind for enough people. There's a lot of really committed super fans in Raleigh, but the number of them is just lower than in other markets. And, you know, yeah, we have to be super competitive and win consistently. It's just, just the way it is. I think it's obvious. You guys agree? Uh, it's certainly, I mean, winning cures all ills. We hear that. Obviously it's going to draw more attention. People want to come. I look at what's going on in Nashville, become Smashville, a few trips deep in the playoffs. All of a sudden, you know, Nashville's a hockey town, right? Absolutely. Well, it doesn't hurt yeah. if you have a PK Subban on your roster too. I, do you work with your players? Like you said, man, maybe it's the helmet, maybe it's this. How do you get your players to buy in to become so much more in the community? I mean, you've you've got some some talented guys, but they're not the household names. And I don't I don't think anybody's screaming for Sebastian Ajo outside of your arena. Uh, how how do you get your guys to cut through? I mean, I know winning helps again, but on a local on a local play, how do you get your guys to become more than just hockey players? You know, when I first got there, the, the main thing, my main message with the team was, look, we're going to do everything we can to make sure you have everything you need to be successful. And, you know, whatever whatever things we found within the organization we thought we could improve, you know, I try to do that. I try to communicate with them and find out what do you need. Like, are we, whether it's the coaches or the players, what do you need? And make sure we can give it to them if we can. Um, what I What I wanted back is, 
you know, please be accessible. And, you know, if we walk people through the locker room, that means something to a person who gets to go in the locker room. So if you act like no one can come in your locker room, that's probably not the right answer. And so um, our guys embrace it. They've been great. And I think it was more that, you know, maybe historically people were a little scared to ask, but anything we've asked of them, they've been willing to do. And I think they realize that we're not going to ask them something that's going to actually affect their ability to play hockey and win hockey games. Um, but the games are, you know, two, three hours a day, every three days, right? We should be able to find a way to engage with our fans and our community in between those things. And so that was my message. And they were, they've been way better than I ever could have imagined. I, it's probably the best thing about being involved with this sport so far is the way, you know, the players are just, they're just good people and you want to give to them. And I think they want to give back to the fans and the community. And it, it's so cliche that people say it, but in our, in our case, it's true. How did the post game celebration start? I mean, it certainly seems to have taken on a mind of its own recently. Um, but was that an idea of yours? Was that an idea of your players? How did that kind of, what was the genesis of, of, of that fun? I'm trying to figure out how to make it my idea in hindsight. <laughs> just say it. You, you, <laughs> hey, as you know, if you just say it often enough and people believe it. I know. I should learn from the president. But, um, yeah, no, I had nothing to do with it. I actually missed the first one because I was walking down uh, downstairs and didn't didn't even know what had happened. Um, and I obviously really appreciated them doing it, and I think – it just shows that they get it right, that they understand that all the things we're talking about right now. And, you know, hopefully um, now it's turned into something they can enjoy too, right? I think they started off doing it for the fans and obviously that's why you do it. And then, you know, hopefully it's not, it's not, um, hopefully it's something they enjoy too. Cause, and, and, you know, it starts to be fun. I, it's a lot of pressure on these guys to keep coming up with stuff, I think. But you got to say thank you to Don Cherry. I mean, he's the one who said, what a bunch of jerks doing this. And and then you guys took advantage of it. And I see it on NHL Network. And then you got to hit the mainstream. But it's got to start somewhere. And high collar shirts yeah. then took off in it after that with Don Cherry saying. <laughs> so. Yeah, it was fortunate for sure. It was awesome. And uh, But look, I think it's that's a great example. Guys like that that are involved with the league that gets people talking about you. I, you know, I wish we had more personalities like him. Um, you know, I think, I think obviously we benefited from him having an opinion. And what I try to say is I don't think we're doing it to be jerks. So I definitely thought about it after he said it and came to the conclusion that, well, you know, that it's in no way, shape or form malicious. Um, but him saying it's not a bad thing. And, you know, we could all learn something from this, right? Like, you know, he created something that got us entertained and our fans engaged, and he did it. We didn't come up with it. So we, we also have to make sure that we remember we have to come up with things to create, you know, reasons for you to talk about us. How valuable has that been from a, from a marketing standpoint, right? It gets the hockey world and even people beyond just the hockey world talking about the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, it's hard to quantify because, you know, ultimately what matters is if you, you know, create that winning culture and make the playoffs and, you know, those, those things are way more important than all the other little things we can do with social media or around our brand. But I would say it becomes a silly anecdote, you know, if we don't make the playoffs. Stepping off the ice for a second, you made headlines a couple of weeks ago uh, when you made an investment in the AAF, the, the Alliance of American Football. 
Um, reported originally as a $250 million deal. Uh, I know you've said that, that maybe that's not entirely accurate around the, the terms of the investment. Can you clear the air here? What exactly uh, were the terms of that investment and, and what's your involvement like with the AAF? I think the reason the 250 number is out there is that's the amount of capital it probably takes over time to get this thing to where it can self-sustain. You know, like probably every business, right? Every every startup takes capital. That's kind of that story. The my involvement is, you know, I'm we're trying to figure out how to uh, make sure that this is a compelling place for people to develop, you know, players and coaches and refs and technology and. You know, so far it's 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 gone really well, and you know, now we've we've got a we one of our big goals is to create an opportunity for players that are on NFL rosters that haven't gotten reps to be able to play. And if 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 that were to ever happen, I think it makes us you know more interesting for sure. So, how much have you invested so far? Probably. 70 million, I don't know, okay. 50, 75. It, it's just, you know, because you pay every week, right? We gotta. And you're prepared to get week. to 250 if it if it appears that it's going well? I just want to make sure I understand the, the number. Yeah, it doesn't. The, the number's sort of, look, I mean, you guys probably know, given business cards you've got, if, you're, if your business is successful, capital's easy, right? Whether it's mine or somebody else's. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, 250 is a, is a number that, looks about when I invested what based on projections where, where it would be. But if you grow faster or bigger, you'll use more capital in the short term because you believe, you know, there's more upside. So with the number, I know it won't be as 250, you know, it could be a little more, it could be less, but (laughs) the chance that it's going to be to the exact, that exact number is pretty small. Hey Tom, what in the business plan leads you to believe that the AAF will be more successful or one man standing over the XFL? Nothing. I don't, I don't hadn't spent any time thinking about thinking about it that way. Um, you know, I'm, they're smart guys. I'm sure they'll do a great job and have something compelling. I think we know what we want to be. And, you know, if, if we're able to create a place for players to develop, um, to work their way back to the NFL, um, then you know I think that has a place in the world. You know I'm not I'm not even sure I I'm, I'm sure that I haven't I don't under I don't know what their business plan is and um, but once again they're smart folks and I'm sure they'll come up with something that can be successful. Also, I mean you know if you look at soccer and baseball and hockey, basketball, there's many 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 pro leagues, right? So the idea that the idea that this is an either or is probably not something I've spent a lot of time on. Tom, the New York papers the last couple of days have had a field day with Jim Dolan here, the owner of the Knicks and the Rangers, who had a Knicks game a couple of days ago, uh, essentially threw out a fan who told him, yelled at him to sell the team. Uh, I'm curious how, what you would need to hear from a fan to, to have you have the same reaction. Oh, they probably just have to do something that, that, it wouldn't be anything they'd say to me, but yeah, I mean, obviously if someone is using language that wouldn't be appropriate for your, you know, families or whatever, mm. but no, I don't care what they say. I mean, if we lose, I'm dumb. And if we win, I'm smart. I already, that's, that's the way this is going to be. Um, so it's not gonna, it's, 
probably not going to bother me very much. I, I'm, however mad they are, I'm sure I'm more mad at myself. So <laughs> they're just reinforcing what I'm already thinking. Whenever and, we don't do very well. And when you hear that, when you hear an angry fan, are you thinking that's a guy who cares and that's someone who's valuable to me as a as a local owner? That that's someone I want because when the team is good, he's going to be equally passionate the other way. Absolutely. I think it's the only way you can think about it. You know, like I'm not, I don't think being sensitive is going to help me in life um, or other people. So, you know, it's no different than what you tell your kids, right? They come home. So-and-so doesn't like me. Well, okay. Right. Like (laughs) what else? Like there's gotta be something else besides somebody doesn't like you in this world. So yeah, it's, it's, I, I, I tend to go with what you said, right? Like at least they care. I, I just want more people to care. If we lose, we're dumb, and we're trying to win. And if they ever believe we weren't trying, then that would bother me a little bit because that means we're doing something wrong. If they, you know, if they ever believe we stopped caring. All right, Tom. I'm going to give you. We're going to close with this. I'm going to give you a money-making, fan-friendly, developed future fans idea. And I don't need any credit for it. No, no bunch of the revenue here. But I'm going to tell you as as someone I told you earlier, my nine-year-old's a top-flight hockey player. We go to plenty of games. You know what nobody does that I'm yearning for? You, oh, you need the fan-friendliest warm-up in hockey. I mean, I want every player, before he leaves the ice, to pick, pick up three, four, five pucks and make sure the kids around the glass get one. Make sure the kids who have a sign, you come over, you a little tip of the cap, a little wave, a little whatever, and the pucks. I don't want standard black pucks. What I want is spend the extra, whatever the unit cost is, Get the logos of the two teams and the date of the game and make sure every kid who cares enough to wear a jersey and stand up against that glass banging, waiting for their, their favorite player to give them some attention, walks home with a puck. You were that kid at school that uh, they t- said they I'm didn't t- like. And <laughs> you'd, get, you'd get kids and their parents in the building earlier. You'd sell more soda. You'd sell more popcorn. And you'd get kids smiling, telling mom and dad, can we go back to the game again because I had such a good time. You think they'll want more than one puck? They're happy with one. Okay. No, I mean, will it come back to get another one? Without a doubt. Without okay. and No, I like it. We, it's the right thing to do anyway, right? I mean, yeah, that makes sense. All right. Well, when, when I see it all over NHL Network and you see what the Hurricanes are doing, we say this was the genesis that of it was, right we're here. We're going to call it the Soshnik warm-up. There we go. I'm telling you, there's tons right. of kids against the glass, and I see their faces when they get nothing and walk back. You know, they walk away and like, oh, he threw like, like maybe maybe two or three of the players threw a puck over the glass or came over or flipped it. All of them certainly don't, and you should see the faces of the kids who don't get anything when they walk away. Yeah. I think it's easy enough. You're not wrong. Like every – Every guy before they're done warm ups, they grab a puck and throw it over. You know, then you get your twenty at least. Yep, there you go. Start start with something. All right, Tom Dunn, right. owner of the Hurricanes, chairman of the Alliance of American Football. Thank you very much. All right, thanks, guys. Takeaways this week. I, I was thinking about why hockey is number four in the four major food groups in the major sports, and, and I still don't quite understand why I it's do. at the bottom. No, I do. But, but, Baseball, you can play with a glove, and a ball, you go have a catch. Basketball, you just need a ball, you get out. It's hard to play hockey. If you don't experience and play the sport as a young kid, it's hard to fall in love with it. But people love football, and most people don't play football. People have football catches. They play flag football. They go out and play tackle football. People play football. It's not easy. You need ice. It's not like you can get a friend of yours and say, let's go play some hockey. 
Well, but it comes back to listen. And I, as we all know, I grew up in Detroit, and that's the key. <laughs> you were you came from Detroit? Yeah, I sure did. <laughs> I haven't heard. <laughs> you I know, mean, by the way, that's called hockey town. That's I'm saying. Man, we look. We're Won't exposed you take to, me it. to and town. and and we brought that up in the interview. Is like, look, right across the border. You know, in but Canada. it's popular. That's my point. It's popular in Detroit. You have access to ice. It's popular. It's called hockey town for a reason. You're proving my point. I, I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying I've never been on the ice. Evan looks bored. I'm not bored. <laughs> he, looked like he, was, he was thinking about something else. My takeaway, I don't care. You're done. My, my takeaway is that I gave him the, the simplest, greatest idea in the NHL right now. You want to make more money, somehow make the pregame skate a thing. Have the best, most popular, most fun, family-friendly, kid-friendly pregame skate in America all the players pick up pucks. All the players throw pucks over the over the glass. Every kid's involved. They will come early. They will come often. They will buy more soda. They will buy more popcorn and pizza, high margin items. He will, Tom Dundon, thank me when he follows my advice. I'm still thinking about that question when we asked how the Alliance of American Football is going to compete or differentiate itself from the XFL. And his answer was, I've never thought yeah, of it. I haven't thought, <laughs> yeah. thought a second about it. Mm. Uh, this is a guy who, who has invested so far, I think he said $70 million yeah. in the AAF, yeah. potentially committing even more than the 250 that was originally reported if thing go, things go well. So much of the, the media conversation is, is this going to survive? Is it going to, how is it going to do with the XFL? You know, all this competition. Uh, clear that the, the lead investor in the thing is not worrying about the minutia of that stuff. Just focusing on AAF itself. My goal is to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming of since kids. It feels better to be number one than number five. I wear the number because of Mike. We have a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first started wearing that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business of Sports, the number of the week. Time now for the number of the week. We did not plan it this week, so neither one of us will get it. So I'm just going to say... It's Darryl been Waltrip. in the news. No, it's been, <laughs> it's been in the news. Uh-huh. Uh, and I'm going to give you a clue. Like the number itself? Is the clue the number? I'm like the number no, itself no, would be a no, nice clue. I'm not, I'm not, no, I, I can't. <laughs> Evan and I in alignment. I, We're I bullying bar. I love I, it. I can't give you the number because then you'll get it. Okay. I'm I'm just going to say. We're going to get the number if he gives us the number. I don't think Barr gets how this works. Barr is telling us the number of the week. He won't give it to us because that would be giving it but to us. But then you'll get the number. I'm, oh you'll my, get the, the clue. It's the mystery of the week. Oh, okay. it's, it's the mystery of the yes. week. Like you guys tell me, uh-huh. shut my pie hole. Never. I gave you the clue. 3.14. Thank you. It's pie day. I actually emailed my yes. wife when I found that out today. I said, tell Jackson, my son, happy pie day. It's. You're, I'm just saying. it's, it's 3.1417, right? Right? You went to Princeton. No, 159, I think. I don't know. 3.14159. Eben. That's why he went to Princeton. Look at that, guys. I went to lowly Syracuse. Look at that. Where they only teach four digits. <laughs> we stopped at 3.14. digits. 3.14. <laughs> exactly. I, I would, but yeah, I, I was a fake wrestler when I applied. Mm. Women's see soccer. I, you see what I did there, Bob? I see what you, you did. see what I did there. Uh, you've been listening to the Bloomberg Business of Sports and we are here each and every week at the same time, plus online as an Apple podcast. And you can catch that Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. I'm Eben Novi Williams at Novi underscore Williams. And I'm Scott Soshnick. You can follow me on Twitter at Soshnick. Thanks for joining us. Please tune in next week when we speak with the biggest and brightest in the sports business industry. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports and Bloomberg Radio around the world. 
Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal wherever you get your podcast, And watch on Bloomberg Originals, Bloomberg Television, or BTV+.